No, I, I wouldn't say I have a passion for HR. The office's Toby Flenderson is a fun sponge. A bit boring, kind of sad, and sometimes a little creepy. Since the show ended, theories on Toby have proliferated, with many even finding a bunch of clues that he's the true Scranton Strangler. But if he wasn't the Strangler, did he deserve all the vitriol he got from Michael, the rest of the office, and the audience? If I had a gun with two bullets and I was in a room with Hitler, Bin Laden, and Toby, I would shoot Toby twice. He's calm, kind, and unlike most of the other characters, the sort of stable, competent co-worker many of us would appreciate in a real-life professional setting. Here's our take on why Toby doesn't deserve the hate and what went wrong to make him such a punching bag. I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. We are so excited to announce that we now have a line of Weird Girl merchandise. Which weird girl are you? Are you the dreamy space cadet living on your own planet? Are you the delightfully spiraling basket case? Are you the ferocious goth? Are you the awkward misfit? Are you the smartass? Make sure to order now to get it before the holidays. Thank you to Brilliant for sponsoring today's video. Brilliant is an interactive learning platform that helps you master valuable STEM skills through fun activities. Right now, the first 200 people to click the link in our description below, brilliant.org slash the take, will get 20% off a year-long subscription. Whether you aced math and science in school or are looking to master valuable skills now, Brilliant will help you sharpen your mind so you can solve problems, strategize, and be at the top of your game. You know, you're lying. What? I think you're great. You're my best friend. The Office sets Toby up to be hateable from the beginning because the show's lead, Michael, hates Toby. While Toby may be reasonable, fair, and respectful of his coworkers, Michael is the star of the show, providing many of its biggest laughs. Thus, it can feel like Toby gets in the way of the fun. Why are you the way that you are? Honestly, every time I try to do something fun or exciting, you make it not that way. It's the reason many viewers are irritated by Breaking Bad's Skylar White, or Kay from The Godfather. Even if they're right, they threaten to shut down the exciting crime operations that are what we're there to watch. Workplace anti-hero Michael is great fun to watch, even or especially when he's a chaotic, belligerent, and cringeworthy boss. IGN even argues that The Office as a show is essentially one long series of human resources debacles. Quote, a staple formula of so much of The Office's first few seasons is simply to take a basic HR issue and stretch the horrible process out. So it makes sense that Michael's chosen nemesis, the person he can't stand above all, is the human resources rep, the person tasked with getting Michael to behave appropriately, follow corporate rules, and avoid controversial or offensive behavior. Oscar is gay. That is his choice. We can make fun of that. You still can't make fun of people for race or gender or sexual orientation. Michael believes that Toby's correctness attacks the heart and soul of what he's doing as a manager and kills all his fun. And Toby, by having to articulate and draw attention to when Michael's behavior is wrong, can sometimes compound Michael's cringeworthiness and force others to confront the boundaries being violated. Even on a structural level, Michael sees Toby as a threat to his control of the office. While everyone else works for Michael, Toby works for corporate, which means he doesn't have to obey Michael in the way his colleagues do. He works for corporate, so he's really not a part of our family. 
Ironically, Michael falls for the HR rep who comes after Toby, Holly Flax, but that's actually because Holly often doesn't really do her job when it comes to keeping Michael in line and instead enables his inappropriate behavior. She enters into a relationship with Michael, is rude to her predecessor, I nearly fell asleep when he gave me a tour of the files, doesn't work to challenge the hostile work environment, and even assists Michael in making the office a more uncomfortable place for employees. She lets Todd Packer come and work there, despite expressions of genuine worry from the rest of the office. Help Michael. Well, if that's the case, I guess I've got to be fired too. But the office is primed to overlook all this because it was so touching to watch Michael finally find a viable love interest who gets him. Michael is actually killing it with Holly. And I think I know why. It's because Holly is kind of a major dork. And when David Wallace then has Holly sent away, it feels cruel, with Michael's punishment compounded by the fact that Toby comes back. Look closer, though, and the widespread disgust for Toby could actually be the illusory truth effect at work. The illusory truth effect is a psychological phenomenon that occurs when people are told something enough times and come to believe it, whether it's true or not. Psychologists Sarah Barber and Omayo Hassan wrote that people tend to perceive claims as truer if they have been exposed to them before, and repeated exposures lead to increased belief. Likewise, the office staff initially have a camaraderie with and respect for Toby, but this decreases over the show's run as Michael's bullying dehumanizes Toby in their eyes. Millions of Americans suffer from extreme repulsiveness. Someone in our midst is bringing that problem to light. Toby Flunderson. Oh, that's so mean. No, it's fine. In this scene, while D'Angelo immediately reacts to this cruelty because he hasn't been conditioned to it, the staff are more interested in making the last Dundies perfect for Michael at Toby's expense. It's his last Dundies. You gotta play along, man. Michael uses an almost Pavlovian approach to train his colleagues to hate Toby. He uses Toby as a repository for all of the negativity in the office, so that the employees associate Toby with their bad feelings and use him as a punching bag. For example, when he invites comments and Angela wants to complain about her colleague's clothing, he gives this to Toby. Okay. Yes. People are dressed inappropriately. Take it up with Toby. You're so educated, aren't you, Toby? So trained to deal with a hysterical woman! Even when Michael gets in hot water for dating Pam's mom, he makes Toby deal with the fallout, using Toby almost as a physical shield to absorb the vitriol that's meant for him. The illusory truth tactic likewise works on the audience. Whereas early moments of Michael hating on Toby are played to highlight how irrational Michael is being. Toby Flenderson is everything that is wrong with the paper industry. Is he why you left? Oh, no. Over time, jokes increasingly align us with Michael or mock that supposed repulsiveness of Toby's that Michael harps on. You don't understand clothing, Toby. You're dressed like this amorphous blob of khaki. It's a testament to Michael's charisma and how beloved he eventually was by us and his colleagues. Best boss I ever had. That quiet, unassuming Toby comes away looking like the bad guy just for trying to do moderate damage control. We, at the end of the night, are going to give the check to an actual group of Boy Scouts. Yeah, I didn't think it was appropriate to invite children since it's, uh, you know, there's gambling and alcohol and it's in our dangerous warehouse. But perhaps the biggest victim of the illusory truth effect when it comes to Michael's smear campaign is Toby himself. Toby goes from having a pleasant relationship with most of his colleagues and even a good-looking girlfriend at Phyllis's wedding to being really lonely and lost in later seasons, to the extent that he even tries to instigate a friendship with the Scranton Strangler. I would understand if a friendship began. How did, how did Bogart put it? 
I think this is the start of my first friendship. He demeans himself by continuing to secretly hope for his tormentor's approval, even delusionally trying to set Michael up as friends with his brother in Boulder. I have a brother in Boulder, Rory Flenderson. You should look him up. Okay. Toby doesn't believe in his own self-worth anymore. To be fair, Toby also contributes a lot to his own unlikability. He's a pathetic character who never seems to do anything to help himself. In his pre-office life, Toby almost became a priest and then backed out. I was in the seminary for a year and dropped out because I wanted to have sex with this girl, Kathy. Followed her back to Scranton. Took the first job I could find in HR. And he appears to believe that God is punishing him. Why you always gotta be so mean to me? In his strange combination of self-pity and self-hatred, his feeling that he's being pummeled by life but probably deserves it, he's essentially a human Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, the depressive donkey who feels unseen and unappreciated by his friends. It's my birthday, can't you see all the presents? Who lives alone, often forgotten about, in a slightly removed part of the Hundred Acre Wood from the most central characters. Go back to the annex and whose plots often revolve around his low self-esteem and need to be validated and cheered up. Thanks for inviting me over, Pooh Bear. Guess you couldn't get anyone more interesting to come. Like Eeyore, Toby almost seems to be followed around by a personal dark cloud. But instead of inspiring others to empathize, that near-constant misery and feeling sorry for himself might, over time, be more likely to trigger annoyance. It almost feels like Toby's attitude invites terrible things to keep happening to him. I'm ziplining my third day in Costa Rica. Because the harness wasn't strapped in exactly right. Toby's behavior eventually leads the women he's attracted to to develop a level of aversion or disgust for him. Early in the series, he carries a torch for Pam, and originally she likes him too. While she doesn't really seem to return his feelings, she considers him a friend and even suggests he is attractive. Oscar's kind of cute. Yeah, I like Oscar. Ooh, Toby. So it's possible he could have at least had a chance with her if he put himself out there, but by the ninth season, she's openly stating that the idea of him being sexy is repellent. I'm sexy Toby. <laughs> Gross. Instead of drumming up the courage to ask her out, he hides his feelings behind elaborately convoluted attempts to please her that are so subtle she doesn't even notice them. Where have you been all night? I was looking forward to hanging out with you. Oh. Was... Hey, don't you have a daughter? In spite of never communicating his intentions, though, Toby feels something like ownership over Pam. He pettily refuses to recognize Jim and Pam's relationship, outs them before they're ready. The complaint was about Jim and Pam. You guys are together? Yes! Yes! Toby, was this your fun little way of congratulating us? Yes. And belittles the seriousness of their connection. We just wanted to know if we had to sign one of those we're dating things for the company. It's just a casual thing, there's no need. Like Friends' Gunther silently pining after Rachel, Toby is caught up in a secret fantasy of being with Pam. It sometimes blurs his perception of reality, to the point where, in a rare moment where he forgets to hold himself back, he embarrasses himself so badly by impulsively stroking her leg that he decides to move to Costa Rica on a whim. I have an announcement uh, to make. I am moving to Costa Rica. I'm just gonna hop the fence and jog home now. 
Overall, because audiences love Pam and can clearly see that Jim makes her happy, Toby's inability to get over his feelings, respect her wishes, and be happy for her is likely to markedly diminish his character in most viewers' eyes. Toby's aura of unlikability is well established by the time Nellie Bertram joins the Scranton branch in the show's final season. But at first, she isn't biased against Toby like everyone else, as she hasn't been swayed by Michael's libelous hatred. When Nellie dresses up as Toby for Halloween, he's drawn to her. Are you me? Probably because he feels someone has at last noticed him, something he hasn't experienced, maybe in years. Later, in the same episode, he goes to give her flowers, but when she takes her Toby wig off, he almost looks angry and is shown smashing the bouquet off the wall. A few episodes later, Nellie makes out with him, in part to stop him droning on about the Scranton Strangler. But while Nellie sees this as a drunken Christmas party hookup, Toby jumps to assuming it's a full-fledged relationship. So proud of you, hon. Oh! And he continues to one-sidedly conduct the relationship. Not everybody has what we have. Essentially, he's continuing, like he did with Pam, to engage in limerence, excessive one-sided infatuation, which leads Nellie to view him as delusional, and eventually totally creepy. How did you know my plane had arrived? How long have you been stalking me? The biggest reason Nellie begins to find Toby irritating, though, is his profound lack of agency. Despite big talk of adventures like Costa Rica, visiting The Strangler, or writing the great American novel, he's so full of self-doubt that he's paralyzed, seemingly incapable of doing anything. You cannot keep blathering on about this Scranton Strangler. Do something about it. I've been drafting a letter. For two years! Let's compare him to another character who initially seemed pretty stuck, unself-aware in his mental habits, and alienating to women. Pam's ex-fiancé, Roy, by the end of the show, is actually doing great because he worked on himself. I have a surprise for you. <clears throat> he plays piano? No. Roy? No. She's got a way about her. So perhaps the biggest gift Nellie gives to Toby is to push him to do something. It was very brave. Though it's hilarious to watch, in real life, the Dunder Mifflin office would have been a nightmare place to work. The level of involvement that these colleagues have in one another's lives is borderline unhealthy and invasive. Cece's getting christened today. Big day. Everyone from work is here. We weren't planning on that. Nope. Michael treats the office like a family, but it's not healthy to expect employees to make work their whole life and have no respect for boundaries. I feel like all my kids grew up and then they married each other. It's every parent's dream. Actually, Toby is really good at his job as an HR rep and an effective ally for employees, in large part thanks to the things that Michael hates about him, like that he isn't much fun, tries to keep the boss in check, isn't easily excitable, and doesn't laugh at jokes that aren't respectful. He protects Jim from Dwight's over-the-top grievance reports. I have a standing appointment with Dwight for him to file a grievance against Jim. I tell him that I'm sending them to a special file in New York. That box is the special file in New York. He calls out inappropriate comments that are likely to make others uncomfortable. He even displays real aptitude for the more complex emotional and psychological aspects of HR in the counseling session he does with Michael, suggesting he could make a very good therapist. It's a testament to Toby's strong work ethic, great training, and underlying humanity that he still wants to help the man who's cruelly bullied him for years. Well, chances do something good here. 
and that he can unpack the intricacies of Michael's personality with unclouded judgment. I guess that's why I thought I ran away in the first place, to find a kitty like better. Dogs don't do that. Right? Why would yeah. a dog do that? That's, I don't know. When I hear myself say it, it just sounds ridiculous. It's working. He's a gentle, caring guy whose calm demeanor makes him approachable, which leads to members of the office becoming vulnerable with him and seeking education from him. His colleagues also know that Toby can be trusted to do his job and give them some protection. Toby will stop it. Anytime anyone's ever been fired, Toby's blocked it. Yet in the end, when Dwight finally gets the top job, one of his first acts as regional manager is to fire Toby. Bye-bye, Toby. Just as Michael had long wanted to do. In part, the trigger for this firing is so that Toby won't prevent Dwight from firing Kevin or whoever else he wants. So the act of firing Toby signals the office's true descent into the tyranny of a manager whose power is totally unchecked by HR. Without the office, Toby says he's embarking on a new adventure writing a novel, but just sounds miserable. I have six roommates, <laughs> which are better than friends, you know, because they have to give you one month's notice before they leave and feels he's left with nothing. Do you find that your life feels pointless now that nobody's actually filming you anymore? Yes. In many ways, he has the most tragic ending of all the characters. He's so lonely and depressed in the finale that he ends up sobbing in Pam's arms at the wedding. Still, the final scene involving Toby has a silver lining. He's pleased that his former co-workers want him to hang out with them. You have to go, Toby. Yeah, come on, Tobes. Come on, Toby. Come on. Come on. Yeah, yeah, I'll survive. Yeah. 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 There he is. It's what he wants most of all, to simply feel noticed by his friends. Toby just wants to be valued, and he deserves to be. He's the kind of rational and helpful colleague we all can use at work, so it's a shame he's broken down into believing that he has no power. Doesn't no. HR have some rules against talking about this kind of stuff? Aaron, HR is a joke. I can't do anything about anything. And we can learn from how the others tolerate and accept Toby's mistreatment that we should be brave and stand up against workplace bullying, because if we don't, we become enablers and eventually bullies ourselves. Hey, Jim. Not now, Toby, my oh, God. Jesus. Get the hell out of here, idiot. What did I do? This is the take on your favorite movie shows and pop culture. Thanks for watching, and don't forget to subscribe. Toby's what you might call an acquired taste, and for many people, so is the idea of STEM learning. It seems frustrating at first glance, but provides great value and becomes easier over time. That's why we're excited that Brilliant aims to make STEM as simple, fun, and accessible as possible through their highly interactive courses. Right now, the first 200 people to click the link in our description below, brilliant.org slash the take, will get 20% off a year-long subscription. I recently took Brilliant's course, The Joy of Problem Solving, and I was amazed at how it helped me completely rethink my approach to problems in my daily life. It also felt really good to exercise my mind at a time when it's all too easy to just zone out. If you'd like to try out Brilliant for free, click the link in the description down below, brilliant.org slash the take, and the first 200 people will get 20% off a year of STEM learning.